Hey, this is Kiz from Hip Hop Heels. This is a Glow With The Flow podcast, and I've got the usual suspects with me, Greg from Making Change Studios and Ben from Let's Feed Brum Homeless Charity. So it's the evening in the UK, and we're joined from across the pond from the San Francisco Bay Area by Rhythmic Mind. Could you introduce yourselves, please, gentlemen? Absolutely. Um... Super glad to be here. Thank you for having us. My name is Jonah Scott, um, one of the co-founders and co-executive directors of Rhythmic Mind. And I'm Max Klein, the other co-founder and co-executive director of Rhythmic Mind. And we are a uh, non-profit hip-hop therapy organization based in the Bay Area. That's amazing. So what is a non-profit hip-hop therapy organization for an everyday joe or an everyday lay person that might not have heard of hip-hop therapy that's a good that's a good question well even the terminology is different right because in the uk i know they're called different things so a non-profit here is um i forgot the name of what it is in the uk but essentially what we have here is called a 501c3 nonprofit, which means that we are doing some sort of public service um, and it's not a, it's not a for-profit company, right? So uh, we're, we're able, it allows us to access, like be able to get grants and other types of funding like that. Um, and the way it's structured is, you know, you have a board of directors, but no one owns the company or anything like that. Uh, so it'd be like a community interest company in England or the UK. Is that what it's called there? We'll take your word for yeah. it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll, uh, there we go. <laughs> And, and tell us about your hip-hop therapy model. So hip-hop therapy basically just meaning that we use hip-hop um, currently with a focus on music, um, you know, beats and rhymes. Uh, definitely have a vision of expanding this out to all the elements of hip-hop as well. Currently, when we say hip-hop, we are talking about the music component. Um, as a therapeutic medium in working with, you know, quote-unquote at risk, we much prefer the term at promise youth, um, primarily teens and young adults. So roughly 13, 14 to about 24 is our, is our target demographic. Um, we have a number of different curriculums um, and we can kind of go into those a bit in turn, but that's really the base of what we do, you know, using, using hip hop in different ways um, for, for therapeutic benefit. Um, and it's not, it's not, when we say hip hop therapy, this is not meant to be a replacement for psychotherapy. It has therapeutic dynamics and it's built from clinical aspects in terms of our background in psychotherapy. But just to, so just to kind of lay that on the table as well, this is not um, psychotherapy per se. Yeah, so essentially what we do, our little kind of uh, condensed mission statement is we offer culturally responsive avenues for teens and young adults to engage in their own empowerment through hip hop as well as help them to inform and design their own modes of intervention in order to heal and transform themselves as well as their respective communities and unfold their highest potential. So that's kind of um, what we're really about. And as Jonah said, we have you know several different curriculums. They're all, they're all built from our um, clinical practice and our lifelong love of hip hop. So both Jonah and I have been you know, uh, hip hop heads you know, uh, pretty much our whole lives. 
and also uh, not just listeners, but also MCs and producers. And we still are, we still make music. Um, so we've been engaged with, you know, the, the culture and the art form of hip hop our entire lives pretty much. And, um, and so that's really what it really comes from is like, that's our first love and passion. Love and, passion. and then we also are mental health professionals. And, you know, we have master's degrees in counseling psychology and uh, we worked for many years as uh, therapists, mental health clinicians with at-risk youth uh, at many different nonprofits uh, throughout the Bay Area. Um, and so what we've done is we've taken our clinical practice and expertise and uh, you know, kind of our background around psychology and we combined that with hip hop um, to basically fuse the two together and bridge that gap to create an integrated in, uh, an integrated um, kind of holistic model of hip hop therapy from the ground up. So we're, but it's not like we're plugging the psychology into hip hop because hip hop is inherently therapeutic. So it's all built from a foundation of how hip hop is already therapy. It's already inherently got all these really deep uh, therapeutic and, and really beneficial aspects to it for health and well being, mental health, emotional health, spiritual, even physical health. Um, and so, you know, essentially that's really important to us is we're honoring what it already is. And then we're trying to maximize and expand upon that as much as possible with our clinical knowledge and, and training. That makes sense. What was the point where you guys decided to bring in something you love and are passionate about into your therapeutic work? Where was the connection point between the two? So for me, um, that kind of happened in grad school, which is where we met actually in grad school. Um, and as Max, you know, unpacked lifelong engagement, pretty much. I was about nine years old when I started, uh, first wrote my first rap. Um, and that was a long time ago. We don't have to go into how old I am, but that was a long time ago. Um, and so in grad school, I was uh, in a, a youth psychology class and I was working on a project around just using creativity in general, not focused on any specific medium, but creativity in general with youth, because it, I was kind of intuitively like that could be really helpful and youth could seem like they could really you know, gravitate towards that. Um, in that, I then came across in doing the research for this project I was working on, some specific organizations that were doing uh, hip hop therapy. So we definitely, you know, we take, we, we stake no claim to inventing hip hop therapy or no, anything like that. The term was coined by a guy named Dr. Edgar Tyson back in the early 90s, I believe. And then there's been a number of organizations who've had their own kind of takes and twists on it. So I came across one of those organizations. Um, and Can you tell us which it was, one it was? Can you tell us which yeah, one? Yeah, I they're called uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, Bay Area based. They've been around for a long time, do amazing mm. work. Um, and so for me, that was a bit of a light bulb moment because I wasn't totally clear exactly the direction I wanted to take my, my graduate education and, and, and career-wise. You know, there's a lot of different paths you can follow in, in psychology. Um, working with youth seemed like a, a likely one, just some of my own kind of natural proclivities and, and, and the way I engage with the world. It seemed like that could be a natural fit. And so discovering that people were using hip-hop with youth in a therapeutic fashion, again, really like a light bulb moment for me. And I saw how these different kind of paths, because I also have a lot of family history um, in social justice, for lack of a better term. Um, my father in particular was very involved uh, with a lot of racial justice stuff. Um, 
And so I grew up with those values really instilled in me. And I, um, so I saw an opportunity to take something that's been such a core part of my life and it provided tremendous therapeutic benefits in my life, that being hip hop. Now intertwining that with um, some of the social justice dynamics because working with youth from marginalized communities, being able to provide them with services they need that they might not otherwise have access to, as well as you know, being of service in a very real way because you're providing therapeutic benefit um, you know, from the clinical piece for the therapeutic benefit to really have depth and to really land. And so all three of these things that were you know, wanting to be of service social justice piece and then hip hop, seeing how these all wove together. And it was kind of like the past just sort of opened up before me. And I was like, all right, cool. This is clearly like, in a sense, it felt like this is my purpose. This is what I've been put on this planet to do. And it took me getting to this juncture for all these things to kind of weave together to be like, I can be fully myself, offer all of myself to the world and have benefit and be able to make a living off of that. So that was kind of my, my journey to that point. And for me, I um, is a little bit of a different journey. So I, uh, I was working with this organization called the Be Within, and we were doing poetry and creative writing workshops in juvenile halls. And um, when I started doing that work, I, I was really feeling like, wow, this is really amazing, like working with this population in the juvenile halls. And I was doing poetry and creative writing workshops because that was the curriculum of that organization. And, and you know what their workshops were centered around but because I was like always like hip-hop at my core I started to bring that into those workshops so I started to like freestyle with the kids I would also like spit verses for them and stuff like that and you know I had some skills so it actually really helped me earn a lot of respect and build some very strong and meaningful relationships with those kids so then they would actually kind of look at, you know look up to me and listen to me um, and doing that work was like extremely fulfilling. And I had kind of felt like, wow, this is like, I'm really fulfilling my purpose on the planet. And that made me then want to go, especially cause like the more I introduced hip hop into those, uh, those workshops, the more the kids just like lit up. They got super engaged and I could tell how power, I could see how powerful it was. And I've always kind of intuitively known that about hip hop. Cause it's, as, as Jonah said, it really helped me in my life. Like it like saved my life really. So, um, you know, knowing all of that, I was like, okay, well, this is kind of my path. And it became really clear to me that I somehow wanted to combine hip hop with some methodology of healing uh, in order to help that population as much as I possibly could. And that's what led me to go to grad school. And I also had also been previewed to the, the work of BRL at, by that point as well. So I was aware that there was something called hip hop therapy and, you know, um, but I kind of had my own, my own kind of vision and I was trying to put the pieces together uh, and that led me to go to JFK and study transpersonal psychology, which is the what, the program we were both in, which is cool in its own right because it's also incorporating aspects of you know spirituality into psychology instead of just having it be only focused on the Western model. It's like bringing some of the Eastern teachings and the idea of holistic practices into building on top of all of those you know conventional psychology models. Um, and then yeah, that's where you know I met. Jonah and we had very similar visions obviously connecting through hip-hop and uh and then just started to put the pieces together and and from then on you know started building out our vision and our our models and curriculums and um that was in like 2012 you know so it's been a been quite a journey uh 
but uh yeah that's pretty much how how we how we came here you know what would you say was the, one of the high points on that journey to date that's a good question i i would say i mean there's a lot there's a lot you know like i mean one of them would be the very first time we ever did a group you know using our curriculum like the very first time we actually did that on the ground which was back in 2014 at a continuation high school in west oakland and um you know it was like all of these were ideas until then right that's when the rubber really met the road hit the road or whatever and um we tested it all out you know and we and we saw the impact that it really could have and that it did have and um yeah that would that was that was really amazing i mean there's a whole kind of story that goes along with that in terms of one of the kids that was in that program and how uh how deeply everything kind of impacted him in that process and where he's at now um yeah i mean i guess maybe we could just tell that story now i mean Jonah, nice. I feel like, you know you, you do a really good job telling the story um yeah, and we, you know, we have a, and there's a song too we can play with it so yeah why don't why don't we why don't, sure. why don't we go ahead and do that sure yeah so this was a, a young man um <clears throat> and he uh he had a little bit of experience as a beat maker um and definitely some some talent in that area you could tell he had some some real budding talent um and he'd written a few raps as well but in our program was the first song he'd ever like put together and recorded so this was a kind of a milestone achievement for him through our program excuse me um and he was a fairly without going too deep into it fair amount of anxiety even some like depersonalization um body language pretty like kind of closed off um not super socially engaged not super academically engaged either he was at a what's called a continuation high school which is uh this is a high school for kids that get way 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 behind on their credits and then they can stay there later up to 21 and they also get like a lowered credit requirement for graduation so it's kind of like a last ditch effort to be able to graduate so the school itself is you know everybody there is having challenges of one kind or another that are then manifesting in academic challenges so he definitely had those as well just he was he had challenges engaging with the world around him would be a very simple way of putting it and so over the course of our program um, and there's a lot we do in this program there's like a whole discussion group which focuses on areas of challenge and then moves into resilience so we're kind of honoring challenges they go through but then flipping that into resilience and really trying to open up how you know you can even Re rearrange your relationship to challenges so that they become sources of strength and resilience in that reauthoring your narrative essentially is what it mm -hmm. is and then we have them write original pieces of music both make the beats and write the lyrics and record them and the songs themselves are about um this reauthored narrative that they imagine for themselves so kind of imagining themselves in the future being successful whatever success means to them that's not just monetary it's you know wide open for them to define that for themselves and then through the songs describing um, what that looks like, what that journey to get there is going to be like. And it's super open-ended. It can be very literal. It can be metaphorical. However, but th that's the core of, and so this is based in a, a therapeutic modality called narrative therapy. And this idea that we all have, you know, stories, narratives that we tell ourselves consciously or unconsciously. But once we become conscious of them, we can start to take control of them and reauthor them. Um, and to, to create, and a lot of that is around changing your relationship to 
whatever different dynamics in your life are. I am, I am not depressed. I have a relationship with depression, right? So that's just a very basic example. Um, so the songs really become like a, an embodiment of this reauthored narrative that the youth are then able to take with them for the rest of their lives. And so for this young man, he was really clear that music was going to both be his kind of destination of success, as well as the vehicle he was going to use to get to that destination. The music kind of encapsulated, you know, all of that, that whole journey, the journey and the destination. And he recorded a song. Again, this was the first rap song he'd ever actually recorded, made the beat as well, um, called Golden Piano. And the Golden Piano kind of served as a metaphor for that, again, that whole journey and the destination. We'll play it here in a minute. Um, really, really dope song. Um, and then, yeah, so during the process of this group, literally his physical posture started to change. He started to, you know, just show up much more kind of, you know, embodied, much more full, um, much more present, became much more socially engaged and much more academically engaged as well, just showing up much more thoroughly in his classes. Uh, we literally had some teachers come to us and be like, I don't know what you guys are doing in there, but this is like a whole new kid in my classroom. Yeah. So underwent like pretty profound transformation through the process of the group. <clears throat> and then he, uh, you know, recorded this song and we actually had Tajay from Souls of Mischief. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Souls of Mischief, part of the hieroglyphics group. So we had Tajay actually come down to the school, listen to the song, give him some feedback. So that was another really cool thing that was able to happen from that whole process. Props up to Tajay for doing that for sure. Real. It was a good look. Um, kid, he loved it. He loved it. Yeah. Um, and we're super happy to say that he's now gone on to, um, you know, it's what, like five, six years later. And he's actually been there for a few years. So it's not that even that took him that long. But he's a super prominent fixture in the kind of underground hip hop scene in the Bay Area. Um, highly, highly, highly respected, especially as a producer, but also as a lyricist. People definitely, he's developed a lot in both areas um, and has a pretty sizable like cult following, you know. Um, People even a little bit like mystique around him, like oh, that's a, he. He goes by the name Overcast, O V R K A S T. You can check out his Bandcamp. He just put out an album. Yeah. I guess it was a little over a year now. I think it was like towards the end of 2019, called uh, Try Again, which even the name of that—that's like the embodiment of resilience, that's right? Try, try again, literal testament to resilience. And so mm -hmm. he's, by and large, you know, actualized um, this thing that he he this. He's manifested the vision that he set forth for himself through our program, you know, and of course we don't take like a, a ultimate credit of that at all. He's amazingly talented. He's put in the hard work to develop his talents. He's worked on his career. Um, and you know, a lot of the, a lot of the glory goes to hip hop itself. And since we are conduits of this, we don't, you know, so nonetheless, he has expressed to us mm -hmm. that, you know, our program was really instrumental mm -hmm. in kind of helping him to get fully his bearings in terms of, you know, his relationship to music and the direction he wanted to take it. We have a testimony on our website from him stating as much. So, um, yeah, if we'd like to just, you know, go ahead and play the song, if that's cool with y'all. Love to hear it. All right, so we're going to share, share the, sound. the sound real quick. And then uh, let us know if you can hear this. You able to hear that? Yeah. Nice, nice, nice and clear, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Frustrating to believe the mouths of the hated. 
patiently waiting to see me fall but maze weather never leaves the withdrawals i'll be in the broad toughing it out plugging the tough from a drought above all ever no doubt i'ma make it or break it take it or leave it i'm a champion so pledge your allegiance and when trouble gets a hold of my soul things get cold but i still know through struggle i wrote another to quote greatest ever something they wrote but not on the stone i roll with the punches and flow i'ma make it yeah, I made it. Hit the keys while I talk and you relate it. Yeah, I made it. Yeah, I made it. I'ma make it. Yeah, I made it. Hit the keys while I talk and you relate it. Yeah, I made it. Yeah, I made it. He's revving to go. Rarity, no parody, no scaring me. You barely even touching the moon. I'm on Mars with the bars while you struggle to move. Any competitors, 11, 12, a dozen or two. I take them all down the hatch, fresh, clucking the coops. You rushing to lose, pushing snooze. Wake up from your destiny, stop tugging, cut loose. Next time you see me, I'll be up in the booth. In front of success, I'm done sitting, stuck in caboose. No hugging, only swinging, and you bugging if you thinking that I'm sneaking. Though I'm full force, gunning from defeat. With a treat, I'm the one who made the beat. <laughs> Peace. I'ma make it. Yeah, I made it. Hit the keys while I'm talking, you relate it. Yeah, I made it. Yeah, I made it. I'ma make it. Yeah, I made it. Hit the keys while I'm talking, you relate it. Yeah, I made it. Yeah, I made it. So yeah, so yeah, and again, uh, like again, that was the first song you ever full song made full ever song recorded. Yeah. He made some beats, he'd written some raps, but he never put like the whole, you know. Yeah, never recorded a song before. together. Yeah, so for the first yeah. time ever recording a song, right? And like, yeah, so there's some, there's some, yeah, I love that song. You know, obviously, so that's really like, cool. So you know, just to kind of add another layer to this, um, not too long after his album dropped. This was probably like early 2020. I was reading an online hip hop publication. Uh, I don't think it's actually around anymore, but it was called Ambrosia for Heads. And they were doing an album review of Earl Sweatshirt's uh, last album he put out. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Earl Sweatshirt, uh, part of like Tyler, the Creator's Crew, Odd Future. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really dope MC, um, producer as well, but primarily known as an MC. Um, I can't remember the name of the album off top, but it was his last one. And I'm looking through the production credits, and on at least one, I can't remember, it was at least one for sure, maybe two, production credits, overcast. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what? There's no, no way. High five. I on that for sure. <laughs> and yeah, so, and then I looked into it, you know, I got a chance to even hit him up, and he was like, yeah, that's me, like, Earl's the homie. He was like, and he kind of played it off cool. He was like, oh yeah, me and Earl, he already, he was already messing with my music, so it was really easy to, you know, no big thing. <laughs> But then I remembered back in the group in 2014 when we were just talking about rap music in general, what kind of, because part of some of it, we just kick it and talk about hip hop and stuff. We make it like fun and enjoyable. And he was mentioning Earl Sweatshirt as one of his all time favorite artists. Yeah. Now gone on to actually work with him. Yeah. So that, like, again, the, the idea of 
reauthoring your narrative and having this future vision of, of your success and exactly what you want to create and manifest, you know, and he literally, as you he talked about that in the song, you could hear it. And then he literally went on to actually create that full on reality of working with one of his favorite artists. So yeah, pretty. Yeah. Um, I just want to bring Greg in. Cause I noticed that you said something G and you, you froze. So I couldn't work out what you're saying, Bab. Oh my, yeah, 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 definitely. Man. Trying to chip in from the start, to be honest, I'd be like, uh, "Can I ask a question?" We get on a bit of a roll. Too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited about this. Yeah, stuff, so yeah, it's yeah. our bad. I want to take it right back to the start. He said, "I know you said um, I don't know if it was your company's slogan or motto, um, or 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 something that you use as sort of one of your uh, sort of your mission." And you said, um, statement, yeah. not, not, uh, kids that are, or youth that are not at risk or at promise. Promise, that's yeah. Can you ask why you chose those particular words and, and, and to expand on it a little bit? That is actually, that's not a term we invented. Um, there's been a bit of a push because at risk has been around forever and ever. That's just used to describe kids who are generally from, you know, marginalized communities, um, mm -hmm. most often youth of color. Um, that are at risk uh, for various reasons. You know, a lot of, lot of violence in their neighborhoods, um, under the oppression, systemic oppression, systemic racism. Um, marginalized. Yeah. marginalized yeah. All, of the, all of the trauma and stuff that goes along with that from top yeah. to bottom. So there, there's mm -hmm. a, been a, just a kind of catch-all classification for a while, especially in the mental health field of at risk. There's been a push, not sure exactly who this came from, but we definitely have adopted it. We yeah. feel it's just a much better look yeah. for at to change that to at promise. Yes. So you're looking at it from a strength based lens. You're not focusing on the detriment. You're not focusing on what's wrong. You're saying what's right. How do we amplify more of what's right? Where's, exactly. what's the promise here? And that's a huge part of our work in general. Yeah. Yeah. And now there's a whole movement that like that really picked up some steam. So like there's actually some legislation that's trying to be pushed through to actually change that nomenclature in the literature that comes out. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like a whole, it, there is a shift that's going on around that in terms of the whole mental health um, kind of kind of field and arena here. Yeah, yeah, space. Yeah, so we're just adopters of that, and we push that. We push that. But, yeah. but the other thing I wanted to ask you, you said, um, sorry, what was the, the lad's name that you played? Uh, Overcast. So it's O V R K A S T. Mm -hmm. So he made that beat as well. Yeah, yeah, he made the beat. Yeah, I mean, well, like, he, he, again, like I said, I'm just going to flag it up in the tune and say, listen, the beat was good. Um, I noticed it was kind of off-beatish in places. It wasn't like, it was kind of like uh, sort of unorthodox. It wasn't, there was parts of the tune where it kind of felt like it was a beat out of time, but it yeah. worked. You know, that that, that kind of off-beat sound. But yeah, um, great work you're doing. And... I'm going to sit back and listen to the show. Yeah, I mean, I, so I, I, man, thank you, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, like that means a lot, you know. That's really why we do this work, you know. So, but I, I highly recommend you check out some of his newer stuff. Like, check out his new album, like the album that came out around a year ago called Try Again, because he's yeah. developed whole other levels in terms of the production and the lyricism. Yeah. Um, and he definitely has his own very unique style. <laughs> He's definitely like a really dope lyricist and also just a phenomenal producer. So he's on, he's on Bandcamp, is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Try again. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And he's got some, you know, he's definitely got some videos out and stuff as well on YouTube. Yeah, so. Yeah, check that out.
Yeah, I just want to come back to Ben now. Ben and I have been working in a homeless hostel that he helped to set up as part of his work with Let's Feed Bum called Tabor House in Digbeth, Birmingham. And Ben, I'd like you to, to talk about the strength-based approach that you adopt and the successes that that has had with the uh, guests, as you call them. So we also mess around with language and use a more positive psychological basis for how we talk. So, uh, for example, looked after kids are called lack kids. And that's a term that really stings a lot of people who come from like a positive strength based approach. So, it's about your work and the strength based stuff you do in. Yeah, so um, we, we run a night shelter that's been in operation for three years now. But the work really started about 10 years ago when we um, began going out on the streets of the city to get to know the people that were living on the streets and just uh, engage with them, talk to them and find out like where they were <clears throat> in their lives, in their minds, you know. And um, it was all volunteers. So there were no professionals within the group. You know, we didn't follow any type of, um, system or approach, um, you know, no medical model or anything like that. It was just a case of just people who lived and worked in the city who were concerned about other people in the city because you saw the population grow. You know, everyone who worked in the city could see there were people sitting on street corners, there were people, um, you know, walking around with, with sleeping bags with blankets. So, so what what that developed into was actually a kind of community of people. Uh, many of them worked in the offices or lived in the city, and many of them were people who were sleeping rough and living in hostels. And they were, they were, they kind of grew together, this group of people. So, so those who were kind of established and, and, and stable lives, and then there were this group that was and we were associated with each other people who would slip through the net and one of the things that um emerged from that was that because we because the attitude that we approached people with was never one of like you know um we're in a situation or i'm in a situation where i'm stable you're you've got problems um you know so like i'm fixed and so you need fixing right it was never that it was never that approach it was it was always you know how are you today what's up um fancy a sandwich or what's been going on and so it's, we've always been on the same level as it were we're all just human beings yeah. some obviously in more difficult situations than others so when we opened the shelter up we wanted to make sure that there was no there was no kind of line drawn or no distinction between people in that situation and whether it was the staff or volunteers at the shelter. So that's the reason we call them guests. We didn't want to call them clients or that kind of terminology where suddenly there's a relationship and it, it's kind of put one person above the other. Yeah. So I know that, you know, obviously in the psychotherapy world, you've got terminology like that. But because we weren't professionals, we didn't need to go down that road. 
And then it became very clear to, to me that actually a lot of the people working in that sector were using that kind of terminology and that kind of attitude. And a lot of the people that were on the street were people who basically um, been through that a revolving door. So they'd they'd been they tried to access the system many times, and they come up against an attitude which was humiliating and dehumanizing. And it wasn't that the help wasn't there; it was the way that the help was offered. People they couldn't they couldn't stand it, and they would just leave. And it was like you know relationship is what people want engagement is what they want interest they want a genuine human being who is not there just because it's their job but it's someone who actually cares about that individual and um and we use that terminology you call you, you call it strength based um in the uk there's a movement as well which is um and it's called a strength-based, person-centered approach where you're working with people and the basis of it is not like, um, okay, you're a person, you've got problems, you've got mental health issues, you may be a drug addict, you may be homeless. You don't start there. That's never the starting point of the conversation. The starting point of the conversation is, um, you know, um, what what is it that you like? What is your interest? What is your passion? Do you like music? Are you a carpenter? Do you you know so so you get to develop an understanding just like when we meet each other for the first time. You know we're not asking each other, are we? We're not saying are you homeless? Do you have mental health issues? Uh-huh. Do you have problems in your life? That's not how relationships develop. So there's a lot of resonance there with um, that kind of approach. And, and it's, a, it's quite a battle because I think the vast majority of that sector in, in England, in the United Kingdom, is still using an, an, a kind of that approach which separates the person that needs the help from the people that are kind of ostensibly su- supplying the help. So, um, you know, it, it's... Uh, and we've managed using that approach. You can see extraordinary results. You know, I, w- I was talking. Uh, I think I mentioned this before in maybe another podcast. But there was one of the guys. I'll give you an example. Um, he was a guy who, for the first three years that I knew him, he was on the streets in the city. He was never straight. You know, always either on alcohol or some smoke. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here, spice and mamba. He was ne- his head was never straight. And, you know, I, from my point of view, I just kind of felt, because we, we have people who die on the streets, and I always thought this is going to he's going to be one of the casualties because he doesn't respond, you know, and he's always in that, in that state of mind. Well, he was one of the first people that came into our shelter. And uh, it gave him some stability. And actually, within two or three months, he started work. And he's got skills. He was in construction. And um, then it was quite interesting because the kind of path that you think that a person might take, that he's going to get a job, then he might go full time, and then he's going to kind of rent his own place, and then he'll go down whatever 
you know, that route of looking after himself. Well, this guy had his dream was to tour Brazil. So he wanted to build up enough money so he could go on a three month tour of Brazil. And he did exactly that. He saved the money, he planned his itinerary, um, and and he went. Now, after that, he came back to England, got a job, did the same thing, went to Thailand, and then went there for six months. Now he's back in England again, within a few weeks, back working, and now he's planning his next trip. Now, this was a guy who literally was off his head for years. And when when you approach someone on that level of, you know, you're a human being, you know, you've got the answers in you. You just have to let that person find that way, find that path. Mm-hmm. You know, like that that guy that's gone through your program. I mean, these things are incredibly encouraging. Mm-hmm. That kind of gives you more motivation, doesn't it? You see someone that's come through and they've come through the other side and and literally, I mean, you're not their parents, but you're proud of these people. You're proud of these individuals. They they have, and they also tell you, because that what how I see that as well. So I look, I mean, you know, tonight in the city there are 60, 70, up to 100 people sleeping outside right now. But can you imagine the potential there in those individuals, the fulfillment in their own lives? That's there and it's for them, you know. So it's up to us to to find a way of reaching out and, and, and letting people people find a place where they can where they can actually find that potential and realize that potential. And it's not hard. It's not rocket science. You don't have to spend years at university to study how to do that. A lot of that is simple humanity. Just a human being being a human being with another human being. And so um, you know, kids came in at that shelter and she provided a creative writing course which was basically writing poetry <clears throat> and over a period of 10 weeks um the guys that were there and for many of them english wasn't even their first language so they were but using english <clears throat> and writing words after after that period of time at the end of it they had a celebration event which i went to and i could see the levels of self-confidence, their ability to articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, someone could stand up, you know, talking about body language earlier, um, individuals who were kind of quite head down, sit in the corner, they would stand up at the end of that uh, course and recite to a room full of people words that they had written. Mm-hmm. No embarrassment, you know. And uh, it was a tremendous thing to see, you know. Uh, it, it's something that is... Um, you know, when it's a bit like, you know, that the, the um, it's the caterpillar that, you know, forms that make goes into the chrysalis and then and then at the end of, of it, it bursts through and there's this beautiful winged creature that flies out, you know, and that's uh, you can never get enough of that, you know, and um, we, we just seem to be in 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 societies where the kind of powers that be or the status quo, they don't seem to want to encourage that, you know. It's like they want to keep things as they are. 
we all know people have agendas, but when you realize that there's ways in which the way you live your life and the things you do can 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 bring people out. And of course, it's a personal journey for us as well, isn't it? You know, our own creativity, our own sense of fulfillment, our own, you know, have are we realizing our own potential? Have we got something to say? You know, something to to sing about, something to to bring in. So um it's time for me to shut up, kids, otherwise I'll never no, stop. No, 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 it's all good. I think <laughs> what you're saying is really... Program. Yeah, it it's sounds amazing. Really... It sounds like you yeah. guys have seen some really amazing outcomes and results, and I think it's awesome that you were able to bring kids in and start to bring in that creative aspect and using the power of, you know, hip-hop and poetry, because I just, you know, obviously that's like, that's our whole life, and yeah. we know the power of that. So it's awesome that you guys are doing that um, and kind of finding ways to to collaborate in those ways and combine what you're doing. Sure. Yeah, that's how that's how me and Greg met, isn't it, Greg? It is, yeah. Yeah, in one of your workshops. Remember that? Look, it was yesterday. Yes. It, we, I was going to ask you mentioned outcomes and, 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 and getting good outcomes. I'm interested because you said you come from a, a psychology background. So mm -hmm. you, you obviously you're quite methodical in your approach in that way. Um, so in terms of measuring outcomes, how did you how did you manage to do that with the work you were doing? Because we do some similar work here at Making Change Studios. And we kind of, a lot of the stuff, the change that you make and the progression mm -hmm. that people make within your program, mm -hmm. it's it's not always stuff you can see or measure or write down, you, you know? Um, how do you, how, I'm just interested to know what do you use to measure your outcomes and progression within that's a, that's a great question. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's different kinds of data, right? There's quantitative and qualitative data. So qualitative data is stuff that has to do with, you know, maybe like the story we just told you or anything that's an anecdotal or, um, you know, just a, but it's a very concrete outcome, right? Like someone's life changes or maybe a kid tells you something with words, you know, or you see it and you see a, a very, you know, a very clear reality of how they're of, of how they're presenting, but there's also the quantitative data, which is more about you know actually the numbers and the measuring of the actual different types of domains of functioning and things like that. So what what we do is we have um, a survey that we created, and we're actually looking into using other kind of even more evidence based type of types of assessment tools. Um, but any assessment tool works the same essentially, right? So basically, depending on what, you know, cause we didn't necessarily get, we didn't yet get into all of our different models and curriculums, they're all very different. And so they have different kind of outcomes and objectives. Um, although they're all kind of under the same umbrella, but some of them are more focused on different things, right? Cause we have our freestyle therapy cipher and then we have our flagship program and then we have our discussion group. And so, um, essentially, you know, when you study mental health and psychology, you learn about the different domains of functioning, stuff like, um, you know, affect regulation, which is the ability to regulate your own affect. Uh, so kind of to regulate your internal response so that you, you have, you know, better impulse control and things like that. Uh, so you're not overwhelmed or flooded, right? So that's affect regulation. Then there's like, affect expression, which is your ability to identify and express different emotions. 
and and your and as well as express your needs and feelings effectively communicate uh, effectively communicate needs and feelings um so those are like two domains of functioning right then there's stuff like you know um you know uh, impulse control anger management frustration which is which usually would be called depending on how nuanced you want to get frustration tolerance how much frustration you can tolerate um you know then there's just like more kind of subtle uh general things like your what is your what is your stress level how confident and self-esteem you know how much confidence and self-esteem do you have mm -hmm. um you know what um what is your like how 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 connected do you feel to your community you know things like that and you can you know a lot of what we do is we just create very simple one to ten scales and we have a pre and a post survey that we administer that covers all of these different domains of functioning depending on what program we're doing and mm -hmm. you know at the end you very much will see that like okay they started out with this number and then they end with this number um yes. so it's pretty it's pretty clear you know and as you say it's an expression from themselves isn't it so as much as you can measure numbers of performance in i don't know the fields or whatever I guess hearing straight from that person, this is how I felt before I started, and this is how I feel now. Yeah, hundred percent. And on our in our surveys, we always have a, a section where they can also say anything else they want to say about how they were impacted by the program, how it helped them, what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it. Um, so we get feedback as well, but also mm -hmm. give them the chance to like say specific words that they want to say about how it helped them or how it affected them. So then that's also data, you know um but yeah i mean it goes on and on and on you know the, the positive outcomes that we've seen and that we usually track um are things like affect regulation affect expression resilience um positive thinking uh your relationship to challenges and adversity um what else um your connection to yeah, that's another the, the connection to kind of community, but that can be a very broad sense. Because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the group, you know, we work in groups almost exclusively. So really developing that cohesion, increased, increased, uh, did you say the cooperation skills? I was about to say that increased negotiation and cooperation skills, you know, social skills, uh, you know, positive interactions with peers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so all those things can be can be measured, you know, because it's just about where on a scale when the kid fills that out, where are they feeling like that right now? And then at mm -hmm. the end of the program, what is the difference? You know, mm -hmm. do they feel more resilient? Do they feel like they can think more positively? Do they feel more connected to their community? Yeah, you know, all these. Things. Yeah. We would definitely like to, you know, in our in our making some moves to to move in the direction of even more, much more very very thorough research working with you know established researchers to really try to get um hopefully you know statistical significance actually established with some of these um but yeah for the time being these things do still show improvement you know i mean if the kids are self-reporting this um by and large we feel that that still really really is a measure of success for us yeah. As well as the, the anecdotal stuff. I mean, the term anecdotal, I feel like, yeah. has a bit of like, a, oh, it just doesn't carry much weight. But I would challenge anybody I just told that story to to tell me that that was a phenomenal experience for that kid. And that's not even maybe the most powerful one we have to tell. So those stories for us also really translate. Um, and of course, there's a lot of variables. We're not saying we're the only variable in that use lives. But there's a very clear sort of beginning, middle, and end to that whole experience. And um, you know, clearly 
the work that we were doing uh, was a huge part of that story. Well. Yeah, I mean, he told us that. Yeah, you know, so like again, the qual qualitative data is really just as significant and just as valid as the quantitative data. It's good to have both, though. So we're, you know, in, in terms of really legitimizing what we're doing, um, you know, a lot of people already look at what we're doing as very legitimate, but we're definitely looking at, you know, going to the, you know, highest possible levels of that, like really right. getting outside evaluation, research that people, you know, that's all they do, right? So because, you know, that's not our field of expertise necessarily, the research part of it and the data collection part, um, but we're definitely moving more you know, more in that direction. Because, you know, for a lot of grants and stuff, they like, they, they expect that, they need that, they need to see all that data. For sure, um, for sure. But as far as the data that we have gotten and the outcomes that we have gotten, they've been tremendously positive and, and kind of mind-blowing, really.